When you visit a web page, that web page can write data to a file on your computer, and that's known as a cookie. Scripts on that web page can also read data from your cookie file to understand where you have been in the past. All of this data about you is getting shared between advertising companies like Google, Facebook, and AppNexus. Ghostery is a browser extension that allows you to limit what you share with these online tracking companies. Larry Furr develops products at Ghostery, and on this episode, he takes us through the process of how we are tracked on the internet. We also explore the topic of ad fraud, which is going to be a theme that we will continue to explore on Software Engineering Daily. If you have any information on ad fraud or if you have recommendations for guests, please email me at jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Larry Furr is the Vice President of Product at Ghostery. Larry, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hey, great to be here, Jeff. Thanks. So let's say I go to a popular media site on the internet, Fox.com or Huffington Post or some other popular blog or website. What are some of the ways that I will be tracked on that website? Well, there's a number of different ways that you may be tracked. And as we often tell um, our, our customers in our community is that... Uh, different trackers do different things. They're not all created equal. Uh, some of them are there simply to try and make the user experience better. So they might be doing A-B testing uh, to, to provide different experiences for a customer and see which ones uh, test better, or provide a better experience. Uh, others may be around analytics and understanding uh, site visitors and what they're doing, what they're clicking on, where they're headed. Others may be widgets, uh, like real-time comments, as an example, like a discussion-type thread. Uh, and then others are there to, to target uh, ads and, and provide um, uh, ads that are based on your interest or your cookie profile. So there's a variety of different trackers that get used on websites. What uh, so, so for listeners who don't know, you you're not uh, you don't have a background in software engineering, but you have an, a background in product development. From the from where you stand, what exactly is a tag doing? What is a cookie, or or are those different things? Sure, yeah, they they are different things. Yeah, uh, a tag or a tracker. We use the two words kind of interchangeably at, at uh, Ghostery, but it's essentially a JavaScript tag there on the page. So it's something that's been inserted into the HTML body of the page, and it's firing at a certain time as that page loads uh, to do a certain thing. Um, so in some cases, as I mentioned earlier, it's it's firing to to open up uh, you know a, a button that allows you to click it and and. And, uh, say on Facebook that you liked that particular article you just read or, or tweet the article link to your Twitter feed. Uh, so there are JavaScript tags that do that on a page. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, and these are the ones that a lot of people are typically most interested in, are the JavaScript tags that are there to communicate with an ad server uh, so that it can serve up a, a, a an ad that is more uh, tailored towards your interests. And, and the way that that is determined is usually by looking at something called a cookie or, or a set of cookies, as we refer to a cookie profile, uh, that is there on your actual computer or your machine. And so what happens is as you visit different pages, cookies get dropped, and these aren't cookies that you eat. These are really just little text files that are dropped on, onto your on, uh, into a system folder on your computer. Um, and they have information about where you, where you went, what you clicked on, uh, what you did. Um, and those cookies can start to help advertisers understand what are the things that you're interested in. So if perhaps 
they see that you've been looking at a lot of travel sites um, and they can they can from that deduce that you are uh, looking to go to Hawaii on a vacation and so you might start seeing ads about vacation packages to Hawaii as an example so that's that's one example of how cookies get used to, to provide targeted ads to you when you go to websites so cookies are a file on my computer where a bunch of text is stored about the places I've visited and the tags on a website are the ways that are the tags on a website allow the website to communicate with that cookie file and understand what's going on inside of it perhaps write to it that's correct yeah the 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 tag on the website is going to be able to communicate information from the cookies back to an ad server um and in some cases actually profile you and and uh, and so actually start to build a profile of who you are back on the ad server um, and, and that's that's the kind of the ultimate goal of, of advertisers is because they want to be able to say look based on all all the cookie information that we have um, we know who this person is we know uh, this is their computer or this is their iPhone or this is their tablet um, we have an idea of what they like to do we might even have an idea of some demographics on who you are um, and that information now starts to get served on, on uh, up from the ad server itself so that in this case the JavaScript tag is really just saying hey we know who this person is already and based on uh, knowing who that person is what's the best ad for me to show them when I am going through a session on this web page like Fox or Huffington Post, how much of my behavior is being tracked and shared? Just how much of it are they able to write to the cookie file or gather from my interaction with the website? Well, unless you've opted out of, of uh, that sort of tracking or, or online behavior, online behavioral advertising as, as it's called, um, they can really track uh, whatever they want with regards to how you've interacted with that website and what you've you know done, what articles you've read, what you've looked at, and so forth. Um, and that can be cross-referenced, again, against other cookies that are there on, on your machine to know other places that you've been. So it's not necessarily just what they know about you from what you've done on that site, um, but also other places you've been, your browsing history, as an example, um, of where you've been on, on the internet. Are they tracking my mouse hovering around or my gyroscope information on mobile? Um, it all depends. Like with mobile, it depends on how much information is exposed uh, via the APIs that are available to uh, software developers for apps and so forth on that. I mean, there has been a, a, a tendency for those to get more and more locked down, but uh, there is quite a bit of information that, that is available um, from uh, mobile devices, as an example, and as, as well as desktop devices. Um, you know, your IP address, as an example, uh, can tell somebody where you're located at from a geography standpoint. What's going on in the back end of these different tracking companies when I visit a page? So I go to a page, and it's got all these trackers on it. They're interfacing with my cookies. They're leaving information in my cookies. They're taking information from my cookies. Can you give me more of a picture of how information is being shuttled between my browser and these different tracking companies? And what? who are these tracking companies? 
Yeah, I mean, for the most part, they're ad techs, ad technology companies um, who are trying to help provide more targeted ads, more valuable ads that have a higher success rate of, of users actually clicking on them or finding value in them. Um, I think we all would agree as users of the internet that it's annoying when you go somewhere and not only do you see ads that are disruptive to your experience, but they're not even on point. Um, they're not about things that you care about. Um, if, if, you know, the... the the holy grail for an advertiser is to actually have very um, on-point uh, ads that speak to your interests and your needs. Um, and I think we all enjoy when that happens. And so that's that's the idea around all this technology that is happening behind the scenes. Um, it's not nefarious. It's not about trying to figure out who you are and where you live so that you know they can they can track your movements and, and send it to the NSA. I know I know there's those conspiracies that are out there, but it's really about being able to provide a better click-through rate um, for for advertisers, um, and that's what helps the the ecosystem work. That's what keeps content free. Uh, that's how publishers make money by providing you know free articles online in exchange for advertisements they show you that they hope that you'll click on because they're relevant to you. Um, and in doing so, um, those advertisers get paid and the publisher continues to pay the bills. That's that's the theory behind all of it. And so, you know, more directly to answer your question, yeah, there is a lot of that information that's being shared as you browse and as you go to pages. Um, and it's all towards a goal of being able to provide more relevant advertising uh, to users. There are obviously ad tech trackers, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Are there yep. also these information brokerages that maybe i'm not sure how these businesses work exactly but like they're not exactly ad tech companies but they're some sort of middleman or like just information gatherer tracker companies that may be present on one of these sites yeah i mean i i, I think uh, look the, the the level of information um of yours that gets shared with these different tracking technologies and companies that are out there um, is a personal decision. Uh, and I think yeah. different people feel differently about how much of that information they want shared. Um, and it can be worrisome, you know, as a, as an internet user, you know, I worry sometimes about the information that's being shared with others because there are bad actors out there. We know of security breaches and, you know, uh, logins that get compromised and that sort of thing. Um, and so as, as a consumer, it can be worrisome um, about how much of my data is on how many different servers out there that I don't know about that I can't control. Um, and that's why there are uh, tools in place to, to help uh, take control of that. Um, and there are, you know, mechanisms by which you can opt out of online behavioral tracking and advertising um, and and to, to be able to have more control over that. Uh, so it is, it's one of those things where as a consumer, there, there is a burden on the consumer to do some research and be informed and educated on this and to exercise uh, the rights that you do have uh, and, and to, if you're so inclined, uh, use tools that allow you to have more control over how your information is shared online. Absolutely. And one of those tools is Ghostery, which we will get into, which is a tool for limiting the amount of data that can be gathered by trackers if you want to opt out of a select number of trackers. Because, of course, there are some trackers that you probably wouldn't ever want to disable. There are ones that improve the user experience. Can you talk about that? Like, what are the examples of when I absolutely need a tracker to have a good user experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a great example is, you know, you're on a, a blog or you know, a website where there's a discussion thread and a lot of the, um, the discussion or comments threads 
are actually used with JavaScript uh, tags. And and yes, there is some tracking information there because you know they need to know who you are and that you're not uh, like a spam bot who's just trying to tell people about this great opportunity where you can make a million dollars a year. Um, uh, but at the same token, um, if, if you were to be uncomfortable with that and block that tracker, you would be unable then to use that discussion thread. And and that's sort of the, the quid pro quo, so to speak. If you want to be able to uh, participate in that community forum, so to speak, you have to be comfortable with some level of information uh, about who you are uh, uh, so that that tracker can do its job, so to speak. So that's one example. Um, you know, another example, like I said, might be the, the social media buttons that you see in a lot of articles where you can click a button to share it on your Twitter feed or on your Facebook profile uh, with a single button click. These are all examples of trackers that I think most people would agree uh, are, are providing a good service. Uh, they're doing something that makes the, the experience better for them when they go to that site. Um, I think where there's a more polarizing effect is probably, again, on, on some of the cookie profiling um, and, and interest-based advertising. Some people find that to be a little creepy. Others, like my wife, think it's great. Uh, she likes it when she sees, you know, an advertisement uh, for some for you know a pair of shoes she's been looking for, and, and now she sees an ad that says they're on sale, and and the advertiser knows that because they know that she's been shopping for those shoes elsewhere. So, you know, it's all in the eye of the beholder as to whether or not that sort of tracking um, is a service and, and and a positive thing, uh, or it's something that uh, is uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, generally. I've seen I've seen some great ads recently that have been uh, maybe have, I don't think they've uh, resulted in a conversion quite yet, but they're getting there. I mean, I've seen enough Soylent ads that are really they're really trying to get me to buy Soylent, and I'm very tempted at this point. <laughs> um, bought it a while ago, and I enjoyed it. They're trying to get me to try it again, and I'm tempted. Um, w- how does tracking work within a walled garden like Facebook or Amazon? These these giant websites that have so much scale and they can and and they also they have credentials so maybe they don't even need to I mean do they need to track you with cookies and stuff because because they can just build their own user profile of you. Yeah, the tracking's still happening. It's just it's much more first party tracking instead of third party tracking. Um, so it's all on Facebook's servers as an example instead of a third party ad technology company's server. Uh, so yeah, like exactly like you said, Facebook already knows who you are. You're logged in. Um, they know all about you because you filled out a profile and told them all about you. Um, and they know what kind of articles you're reading on Facebook, what sort of uh, interest you have and so forth. And, and so uh, they can provide very targeted ads and they actually do a pretty good job of it. Um, I, I would say most of the, the ads I see on Facebook are relevant to me. Um, and it's because they have so much information about you already and, and they're at a great benefit for that. Um, it's that sort of Facebook advertising experience that third-party ad techs are trying to provide when you go to other publisher sites like the Huffington Post or like the NewYorkTimes.com, as an example. They want to be able to provide ads that are as relevant to you as the ones that you see on Facebook, but it's a little harder for them to do because when you go to the Huffington Post, you don't have a profile that you filled out and said, this is who I am. You know, this is the things that I like. These are the things I don't like. And so they have to try and divine that uh, through cookies um, that tell them about the things that you look at when you're on the web. Right. And so the the place where information between these different sites is exchanged is often the ad tech company. So I go to Huffington Post, I browse around and do some stuff, and 
an ad tech company checks that an ad tech company registers that I have visited Huffington Post, and then I go and uh, and let's say I'm on Huffington Post and I'm looking at some news article about Spain, and then I'm uh, on YouTube and I start seeing some featured videos about Spain, trying to get me to go take a vacation to Spain. And the reason that YouTube knows that is because Google has plugged into that ad, ex- or YouTube has plugged into that advertising exchange and has registered that I have gone to Huffington Post and looked at an article about Spain. You got it exactly right. That's how it works. Okay. Is the browser maker able to track me? Like, can Google Chrome just get even more information and more thorough information and give that to Google and they can build an uh, an, an even more fine-grained profile about me, or are there limitations to what a browser can track? No, I mean, technically a browser could track anything it wanted to because it it's loading all the pages. Um, I don't know that most of the browsers do that. Um, uh, I mean, Google obviously makes Chrome, um, but I don't believe, uh, to my knowledge at least, that they're they're trying to profile people um, at the browser level. Um, they're they're doing that more through the search results, things you search on Google, um, as well as you know their own uh, tags that they have um, for their various ad technology entities. Can you characterize the different players in the ad tech business in more detail? I know that's a big question, but there are these ad exchanges that are exchanging information about us. They're helping ads track uh, target more specifically there's google and facebook that are also in some sense ad exchanges but they're doing slightly different roles than the uh, than the just display advertising exchanges like openx and uh and um oh what's the big one app nexus uh there's also dsps uh i think what is that demand side providers demand side platform demand yeah. side platform there's publishers which is like the huffington post there's these are sites that actually publish ads and they publish content that uh, make the ads attractive to post there that's right i know this is a big question can, can you can you can you uh characterize this marketplace <laughs> in a little more detail because it's not like a it's not like a straightforward two-sided marketplace like we're used to in, uh, yeah. in economics you know you're right there's a lot of different pieces and components and, and frankly a lot of the lines are emerging uh, for a lot of these companies as they as they start to provide um, you know entries in, in the different product categories so to speak but you know at a high level you have your demand side and your supply side so your demand uh, side platforms or DSPs uh, are exactly like you said Th- those are the likes of uh, you know your media math your app Nexus uh, and so forth um, and and they're the ones that are really um, working with uh, the brands that want to advertise so they're the ones that are providing demand for ads um, and then you have your supply side uh, which is uh, you know your double click for publishers which is a Google entity Pubmatic Rubicon so forth uh, they're working more with the publishers that are supplying advertising space um, and so the idea there is that if you're a publisher you use an SSP uh, to, to say look I have so much ad space that I can fill with ad inventory on my on my site um, and if you're a brand who is uh, or an ad agency who is rec- uh, you know in most cases representing a brand who is trying to place ads um, your DSP uh, is helping you to sell that inventory um, to the various publishers who are providing the supply and so 
that all gets uh, brokered and done um, on on what are called ad exchanges, uh, which are essentially where um, publishers who want to sell ad uh, space can be coupled with uh, brands and, and ad agencies who want to sell advertisement, um, and a match can be made, so to speak. Um, and all of that it happens, uh, you know, in near real time when you go to a website uh, based again on who you are, uh, so that in real time the right ad can be shown to you. And so, that, you know, ten different people can go to the same page and see ten different ads, and it's because of all of this DSP, SSP. Um, technology that's happening behind the scenes in, in, in a matter of milliseconds, um, which is pretty impressive stuff. And then the ad servers are out there, and those are the things that serve up the ad. So um, the publisher site itself is not what has the ad inventory. That ad inventory sits on uh, the ad creatives, as they call them, uh, sit on the ad servers and are served up uh, to the publisher when that JavaScript tag fires and says, give me the right ad for this particular user. So those are some of the main players, but like I said, a lot of those lines are starting to merge um, as uh, you know, as these companies start to either acquire other smaller players or they start to um, you know make their product portfolio larger so that they can be sort of a one one stop shop, so to speak. All of these steps that need to occur for an advertising auction to take place, it's kind of astounding. So I go to a web page and the page is deciding which ad to show me and in the fraction of a second the publisher is connected to uh, I guess the supply side platform which somehow links up with the demand side platform uh, and figures out which ad from which agency which is representing which advertiser to serve to me and all of that is done before my page loads how how do they orchestra I mean I, I understand you're not uh, an engineer, but how the heck is that orchestrated <laughs> so that it's not some crazy amount of latency? Yeah, well, in some cases there is some latency, and I think that's that's one of the things that that uh, we're not doing a good job at um, as far as providing a good uh, experience. You mean the industry as a whole? Yes. Yeah. When I say we, I mean the industry. Um, and so, uh, yes, that's that's one of the reasons that people are using tools like Ghostry to say, look, you're not doing a good job at uh, serving up these ads in a timely manner. Um, and there's so much stuff happening that the page loads slowly. Um, but there are there are techniques um, for for how uh, this gets done that that you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. Um, and of course, the ad tech providers are are continuing to fine tune you know their technology, provide bigger and bigger, uh, you know, throw more hardware at it, and so forth. But Yes, there's a there's a wrong way and a right way to do it, and if it's done the wrong way, uh, you do definitely see some some poor latency. And I think we've all been to those pages before that take a long time to load because there's so much stuff happening behind the scenes. Yeah, that's the thing is, what's what I find so funny about this whole ad blocker stuff is people use ad blockers because it degrades because ads degrade the user experience in their current form, and that's why these sites like Forbes are suffering so much. And it's not necessarily because people don't want to see ads. People generally don't want to see ads, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're just neutral because it's just like, okay, whatever. This ad is kind of helpful. It's not really in the way. I don't really care. But so many of these sites just have ad experiences that just ruin the reading experience. Um, and it's clear that the reading experience is there to serve the advertising experience rather than the other other way around. Uh, so. Why don't you explain how Ghostry works? So people, you know, people now they ha- now they have a good picture of the advertising landscape, the, all these trackers that are going on. Explain what Ghostry does. 
Sure. So, so Ghostry, uh, first and foremost, uh, it is a tool to make the internet better, to make web experiences better for both consumers as well as site owners. Uh, so we're probably most well known for our consumer browser extension. Uh, you know, we have 10 million some active users around the globe uh, who use Ghostry to control how their data is shared online. So it's first and, for, it's first and foremost a privacy tool. Um, and by default, when you install Ghostry, nothing's blocked, uh, but you can make decisions on a site-by-site -site basis or on a tracker-by-tracker -tracker basis if you want to get into the you know granularities of it uh, as to which ones you're comfortable with and which ones you're not. Um, and and uh, our users are, are pretty informed. Uh, we, we provide a lot of information about each of the trackers. So when you go to a page, you can see which trackers are loading. You can click on any one of them to read about the company, who they are, uh, how they're using your data, where it's going. Um, and you can make informed decisions as to whether or not you trust uh, that company having your information or not. Or like I said, you can make a more blanket decision and say which sites you're comfortable with um, sharing your information and which ones you're not, uh, which is what most of our users tend to do. Uh, so that that's what Ghostry does. And it, its real goal is to first and foremost be an education tool, um, an empowerment tool for consumers to understand how their data gets used when they go to websites, and then secondarily to be able to make decisions uh, off that information as to what they're comfortable with and what they're not. And that's a very personal decision for each of our users um, that we don't make for them. We let our users make that decision for themselves. Um, and that and that's really been a, a core um, goal and value of, of Ghostries from the very beginning is we're not taking sides, we're not telling you what's good and what's bad, we're just providing you information and letting you make those decisions for yourself. Um, on the business side of the equation, Ghostry also provides uh, tools uh, for brands and site owners uh, to both be compliant with privacy laws, uh, as well as to provide analytics into how the use of these third-party technologies on your website um, can degrade the user experience and actually work against what you're trying to do as a site owner. Because at the end of the day, uh, site owners don't create websites to aggravate users. That, that would not be a very good business model. Uh, but they sometimes inadvertently do exactly that because they don't have good oversight on the use of these trackers on their website, and they don't understand how it's degrading the user experience, how it's perhaps um, compromising privacy and security for their users, or in some cases, perhaps, you know, uh, actually selling the information that they have about their users to a competitor. Uh, these are the things that the that the enterprise uh, tools that Ghostry builds um, help uh, provide site owners and give them the ability to provide a better user experience for their consumers. So we feel like at Ghostry, we're really attacking the problem from both uh, ends of the equation, uh, both from the consumer standpoint of giving them tools to, to be empowered and control their user experience, as well as on the enterprise side, giving site owners tools to be able to take more responsibility and be more proactive in the web experience they're providing their users. I like Ghostry a lot because when I look at the company, I see an incentive structure that makes a lot of sense and is not really... Uh, predatory on anyone. But in contrast, there are a lot of companies, and I kind of want to get into this, there are a lot of companies that, whether or not they're engaged in malfeasance on purpose, they are engaged in some bad behavior or they're involved in, in types of bad behavior that make them money, perhaps indirectly sometimes. Uh, it is, the ad tech industry has evolved to be a place where 
incentives are often uh, not to do the right thing. It's almost like a like the banking business. Um, do you think that's accurate? Well, I mean, I think I think there are some bad actors out there, as as I said earlier, um, and you know, we definitely see people that are that are have business models that at goes through we just don't feel good about um so that you know we don't participate in and and to your point yeah we we do try very hard at, at go Street to have a business model which we feel uh is acceptable to everybody um we're, we're not trying to take sides uh we're not trying to kill the ecosystem we're actually trying to make the ecosystem better um and we have a business model that's very transparent um and and there are some players out there who are not as transparent with their business model um, and and uh, you know maybe claim to be in service of the consumer, but in reality, um, they're they're not. And and uh, that's that's something that uh, we feel strongly at Ghostry about uh, making sure that we're very transparent and upfront about how we do business and and how we make money. Let's talk about that. What are some of the ways that the advertising business, the online tracking business, what are some of the ways that they undercut? the best interests of the consumer or the end user or perhaps the advertiser, the company that's trying to spread their brand online through advertising. What are the ways that this ecosystem with all these middlemen, DSPs, SSPs, ad tech companies, tracking companies, what are some of the ways that the end user or the advertiser get um, bilked? Well, I think one of the most common things we're seeing out there right now is, is ad fraud. Um, and what that essentially is is some bad actors that are that are creating uh, technology to um, essentially mimic real users going to sites and seeing ads because the ad world is all about impressions, which is how many thousands of people have seen this ad, and that's how uh, publishers get paid, and that's what advertisers are paying for is the number of impressions that ad has been able to make. And so, as you might imagine, uh, in the case of ad fraud where impressions are being counted, not for actual living, breathing humans that saw the ad, um, but for uh, some sort of a bot or program that's been uh, created to mimic uh, users you know, loading up web pages, well, that doesn't really uh, serve anybody. Um, that, that ends up uh, causing uh, publishers to, to essentially uh, uh, overstate uh, the the numbers of, of people that were that were seeing those ads, and advertisers are now paying for impressions they never got, and uh, and, and no one really is is uh, served by that because now the ecosystem is has fraud in it, and again, it's the same ecosystem that keeps content free for for all of us users um, that that want to be able to to continue to have a free internet. Indeed. So the some of the problematic situations are a publisher like a blog that has ads on it, may pay some sketchy service somewhere for traffic, quote-unquote, an increase in traffic. And they don't know where that increase in traffic is coming from, but uh, the increase in traffic comes, chances are it is from bots somewhere. And those bots end up seeing advertisements. Um, And then in some circumstances, you could have, I mean, you could even have a horrible situation where Perhaps there's an ad tech company somewhere. Uh, the ad tech company is selling ads to certain sites, uh, and then it turns out, oh, the ad tech company is selling ads to sites that they own, and they're also buying bot traffic on those sites. There's a lot of problematic situations 
that could develop. And at the core of it is the question, can we differentiate bot traffic from human traffic? Do you think we can? Oh, there's technology out there that does it now. Uh, Google is probably one of the the largest, if not the larger largest uh, investor in, in that technology, because of course they they gained a benefit by being able to you know ferret out and stamp out um, uh, ad fraud. Uh, and so yeah, there's a lot of technology that's being employed and developed um, every day uh, to 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 solve the problem of ad fraud. It's a bit of a cat and mouse game, um, and but. Uh, I, you know, I, I think the technology will continue to to advance, and uh, hopefully, it's something that that uh, if doesn't if it doesn't completely get obliterated, at least gets brought into check over time. How transparent is Google about how good they are at catching fraudsters? Well, I don't know. That's I'm probably not the right person to answer that question. I mean, there's a number of articles that that talk about this. Um, you know, Google is, is of course, uh, you know, in, in very much in the ad tech business. That's that's their main source of income, and so uh, I would imagine that the that it's something that they're working very hard to make better. Um, and where there are issues, you know, they may not want to be as forthright with how bad the issues are. Um, but it's 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 no secret. Everyone knows that ad fraud is out there. Uh, anytime you go to you know an ad tech conference, it's one of the key things that people are talking about. Um, it's it's an industry wide um, concern. Uh, and, and like I said, there are a lot of a lot of smart people that are working on it. And and Google in many cases is is leading that charge. Do the brands that are advertising into this ecosystem, like uh, Procter and Gamble or Kraft, do they know how much fraud there is in the ecosystem? Uh, well, I, I think, like many of us, they're they're trying to make that decision based off of the information that they have, um, and it's not always a perfect system uh, with regards to measurement. Uh, I just saw an article the other day uh, where I think you know you mentioned Procter and Gamble. Uh, themselves were disappointed to find that the you know, the ad impressions uh, that they were they were getting on Facebook were not as good as advertised. Now this isn't a, a case of ad fraud, but it's just a, a matter of uh, an incorrect um, measurement by Facebook of how effective their ads were being um, with regards to showing relevant advertising uh, to their users. Um, and so one of the great promises of, of Facebook and some of these you know first party platforms is that they can provide very relevant ads that that have higher success rates and of course um, that's why a lot of brands have been uh, flocking uh, to, to the likes of Facebook and others to to advertise um, but of course you know when when the accuracy of those measurements is called into question uh, that can give you know brands uh, reason to pause and, re- and rethink that strategy and and uh, question whether or not they're they're getting the value for their buck that they were told they were so so um, it, there is a there is a lack, I think, a general lack of understanding and visibility around a lot of the the measurements around the effectiveness of ads, and it's another one of those areas where the the industry and the ecosystem is is trying to get better because at the end of the day, people don't want to pay for what they're not getting, um, and uh, I think I think anyone would feel that way. That event where Facebook recently disclosed that they had been measuring views on videos in an incorrect way that was that was pretty worrisome um they disclosed that that uh their numbers on the numbers that they had publicized about 
how many views videos on Facebook were getting were off, and they were correcting them. Um, you know, it was nice to see a disclosure. It's always nice to see a disclosure, but um, God, it it's it worries me about the ecosystem that these numbers are hard to get right, even on the even on the first party platforms, um, because you think about how much how much how many layers there are to getting this tracking right and and you know on even on facebook in a walled garden where they have really good ways of detecting if you're a human or not they still have hundreds of must be hundreds of millions of fake profiles and um you know it's it's just hard to get clean traffic it's hard to get clean numbers even if you can identify the clean traffic but the ecosystem ticks on it, it, and it does, yeah. And 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 more and more money gets sent, spent every year on digital advertising, and and that's because companies believe that it's working. Um, companies typically don't throw money at things that are, are not providing results, and so, you know, despite all the warts and so forth, uh, the ad tech ecosystem continues to provide value uh, to its customers, and uh, and I think the problems continue to be worked on, and. Uh, you know, I guess I'm an optimist, but I believe in technology, and, and I believe technology can solve all problems, and uh, I, I think it gets better all the time. Now, in the 2008 crisis, we saw that humanity has the potential to dramatically misprice things as a crowd, as a big crowd. The advertising ecosystem is obviously much bigger in scale than the securitized mortgage industry but it does make you wonder you know clearly we had this massive herd mentality of mispricing in a situation where people were kind of just copying each other in the ecosystem is there any chance that we're doing that with online advertising where perhaps these ads that we're purchasing are just not worth it and they're dramatically overpriced and the fraud is not getting priced in effectively is there any chance of that? Uh, there is some chance of that. And, and I think that's why we're seeing uh, some of the uh, evolving nature of, of the ad tech industry over the years to, to help um, hedge against that concern. Uh, and, and I think the other thing we're seeing happen is uh, a lot of the, the ad, there's some consolidation in the ad tech space. Um, so there's there's several uh, larger companies that are emerging, smaller companies that are getting rolled up into the larger companies. And as that happens, I think we're seeing more of the inefficiencies worked out of the system um, and, and seeing it work uh, better and, and at a, you know, a higher profit margin, so to speak, uh, for all that are involved. So, but yes, I think you ask a good question. It's, it's one that many people probably much smarter and more informed than I have, <laughs> I am, uh, have, have speculated on. And uh, there's people on both sides of the issue. Um, I guess what I look at personally is the fact that, like I said, digital advertising continues to grow year over year. Um, and I think businesses technically, you know, generally don't spend money on things that they don't feel like are, are being um, working for them. Yeah, it's just the reason I brought up the 2008 crisis is we had many years of people buying securitized uh, mortgages <laughs> that uh, sure. turned out not to be worth very much. That is true. That is true. So, okay, Facebook and Google, do they have incentive to police fraud as much as they possibly can? Or are their incentives more aligned with, yeah, you know, we'll police enough to be convincing? Or is that too conspiratorial? (laughs) 
that's probably a little conspiratorial. I mean, again, the, these guys are, are very incented to, to make sure that, that the business they're running um, is as uh, unblemished as possible. And so I, I have, you know, faith that they are doing everything they can to, to do exactly that and, and to, you know, get that stuff under control. Yeah. I mean, I certainly hope so. And look, I am as much of a, as much a fan of Facebook and Google as you possibly could be, I think. But, um, you know, it's just like you see this absolute power corrupting absolutely, certainly in the in the banking industry um, time and time again. And, and oh, man, the online advertising industry seems even more opaque and even harder to police than the banking industry. There, yeah, there's definitely some opaqueness there. And, and again, I think that's where we see the technology getting better all the time to, to help make that more um, transparent. Uh, because, yeah, advertisers, publishers, everyone who's part of this uh, wants to have transparency and consumers do as well. Um, you know, Ghostry, again, we, we attack the transparency um, from the consumer side uh, and from the site owner side. Um, but there are a lot of, you know, ad techs and companies out there that are, that are trying to provide more transparency for advertisers and publishers as well. Uh, did you see the, the other story about um, the Guardian purchasing its own traffic and finding that it's just like the the middlemen in between them purchasing their own traffic on their site so basically they purchased ads on their own site like they pretended that they were so the guardian is a publisher they purchased traffic on their site as if they were an advertiser like as if they were a procter and gamble and they found that something like 40 dollars of their 100 dollars in advertising spend actually translated to to ads being paid for on their website. Did you see that article? I didn't, no. Oh, okay. That sounds was, interesting, though. Yeah, it was quite interesting. Um, so do you think do you think as time goes on, like the these these layers of middlemen will get, will get consolidated? I guess that's what you're saying. You're saying they, they'll get consolidated, it'll get more efficient, um, there will be more dollars spent where they should be? Yeah, I, I, th- I think th- as there's some consolidation, there's more of the data is sitting with, you know, one company versus it being pieced together from, from 10 different technologies. And so some of those uh, inefficiencies get worked out. Um, and and uh, as you work out inefficiencies, of course, you can uh, improve uh, the, the value for per dollar. Um, by the same token, it's kind of funny because we see consolidation, but then we also continue to see a number of new uh, technologies, more so on the marketing side, that that are springing up all the time. Um, so, you know, we're seeing some consolidation on the ad tech side, but we're actually seeing a lot of sprawl on the marketing tech side, um, which is a different topic, obviously, than ad tech. But it's it's one that is of interest to to Ghostry again, because on the enterprise side, we provide tools that allow. Uh, site owners to to be able to take inventory of all the different third-party technology that's on their site, which is much more than just ad technology. We talk a lot about ad technology. That gets a lot of the coverage. It's sort of the sexy topic that, that uh, you know, all of the publications want to talk about. Um, but the marketing technology is also uh, something that's, that's a big piece of the, of the puzzle with regards to uh, web experience. So what are you talking about in terms of marketing technology? What does that mean? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, so there's a lot of stuff out there. There's all your analytics, there's your, um, you know, your, your various tools that people use, your, your DMPs, your, your TMSs. Um, 
th these are all tools that marketers are using um, in, in a large part in the same way that that advertisers um, try to profile people and, and, and provide good ads. But if you're a marketer, it's more about providing, um, you know, a funnel uh, of, uh, of leads for your uh, salespeople. Um, and so they're using a, a lot of similar technology um, to be able to provide better, more targeted experiences for their site visitors. Um, and to be able to uh, fill that funnel with qualified leads that they can they can go and, and do business with. Um, and so a advertising is one aspect of that, but it's not the only aspect. Um, and and uh, it's it's oftentimes, like I said, the the ad tech world gets a lot of publication and a lot of a lot of publicity. Uh, but the marketing technology out there, um, just like ad technology, if left unchecked, uh, can can really start to degrade the uh, or degrade rather the the uh, experience of your site visitors. Yeah, and uh, you know one thing that I think is interesting about this whole ecosystem, and this gets back to tracking more generally, is that so you take a website like Huffington Post or New York Times, and these websites don't feel very personalized. The advertisements certainly feel personalized, but when I go to the New York Times dot com. I still see just like front page of a bunch of articles that I don't care about. Uh, and yet the ads are so targeted towards me. Why can't the New York Times integrate all this? You know, if, if I'm going to be tracked throughout the Internet, like why can't it just provide me utility on the content? Why does it have to just provide me utility on the ads? Sure, sure. Well, and I think we see some of that happening. I mean, there are there are tools out there, news aggregators and so forth. Um that that are intended to provide you content that is pertinent to your interest and so forth. And I, I personally believe that's where a lot of the online uh, publication industry is going to go. Uh, that's going to be more curated news um, based on my taste and my interest, uh, which you know will, will probably be great for advertisers because it will make it that much easier to provide targeted ads when when you can provide targeted content. Okay, so. Very interesting stuff. We should talk a little bit more about Ghostery. We've been, uh, you've been treating me to a tour, an inside tour of the ad tech industry. Tell me more about Ghostery, how product development works there, and how you are seeing businesses using Ghostery. So, uh, at Ghostery product development uh, works in service of our of our customers. Uh, we want to provide value to them. Um, and uh, on, on, as I mentioned, uh, we have both business customers as well as consumer customers. Uh, on the consumer side, we work very closely uh, with many of our users uh, to get their feedback on what uh, en enhancements and features they want to see added to the Ghostry browser extension. Um, I haven't mentioned it, but we also have a, a Ghostry mobile browser uh, on both iOS and Android uh, that allows consumers to, to use the same sort of uh, features and options that they have in the, in the browser extension on their desktop browsers, they can they can use that in a mobile browser as well. Um, and so we work closely with our community. We, we listen to them. We do a lot of user testing, um, a lot of feedback and surveying uh, to make sure that we're building the kind of product that our, that our uh, users are going to love and want to use and, and rally around. And I think we have, a you know, if you look at Ghostry on social media, you'll see that uh, 
our users are big fans. They, they like what we do. Um, they trust us. Uh, we've worked hard to, to earn that trust and to keep it um, by being, you know, like I said, very transparent uh, with what we do and, and how we do it. Um, and, and we try to do that same thing on, on the business side as well with our enterprise products. So we, we have a number of, you know, large Fortune 500 type clients um, that we work closely with uh, to bring them tools that, that allow them to provide a better web experience for their customers. Um, so in particular, you know, the product I'm referring to is called MCM, uh, which is short for Marketing Cloud Management. Uh, and it's all about empowering site owners, whether they work on the marketing side of the house or the IT side of the house, to be able to take inventory of the third-party technologies that are on their sites, whether it's ad technology or marketing technology or, or any sort of you know, third-party JavaScript tags that, that are deployed on their site. Uh, our tools allow them to take inventory of what's there and to understand what it's doing. Should it be there or not? Um, how is it affecting site performance? How is it uh, affecting uh, user privacy? Um, how, how is it, uh, you know, is it essentially, is it serving a good purpose or a bad purpose on my website? And if it's a bad purpose, you know, let me get rid of it. And so, and that actually came about uh, as a result of many of these site owners who are using the Ghost Through Browser extension to basically, you know, test their own site uh, to see, you know, what, what's on my own site because I don't actually know. And and asking, can you give me an enterprise tool that is, is essentially the Ghost Through, Ghost Through Browser extension, but for me to use on my own website so that I can be a more responsible site owner and provide a better web experience for my for my visitors. Yeah, I think that's interesting because Ghostry is part of this trend towards tools that make improving website performance easier, even if you're not a developer. Um, so I'm sure a lot of these Fortune 500 companies, maybe not necessarily short on developers, but perhaps the person who is in charge of front-facing website lack of tracking, I don't know, may not have a lot of development experience, but anyway, um, I think you, you gave a better overview than I can. Um, well, Larry, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add about Ghostry? Just that uh, if, if you want to learn more, you can, of course, visit our website at ghostry.com or follow us on, on Twitter or Facebook. Um, and uh, it was great to be here today. And I hope that uh, your, your listeners uh, have learned a little bit uh, about how the, uh, the ecosystem works and uh, would encourage you to, to go uh, download the Ghostry browser extension if, uh, if you're not already using it. And if you're a site owner, check us out online, and, and we'd love to tell you about what's happening on your website and how it might be uh, working against you. Okay, well, that's great. Larry, thanks for coming on Software Engineering Daily. You betcha. Thanks. Thanks to Symphono for sponsoring Software Engineering Daily. Symphono is a custom engineering shop where senior engineers tackle big tech challenges while learning from each other. Check it out at symphono.com slash sedaily. That's S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-O dot com slash sedaily. Thanks again, Symphono. Wow.